Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode of Right Down the Street. I'm Brian Barnett, the mayor of the city of Rochester Hills, and as always, your host for this podcast. We want to thank our regular listeners for tuning in. As you know, Right Down the Street celebrates the stories and the perspectives, the backgrounds, and the impact of the people living and working in and around our community. And today's guest, wow, we are super excited to have a good friend of mine and someone whose voice you will recognize immediately. He's the Lions radio color analyst, former offensive tackle for the Detroit Lions, and newly this week inducted into the Pride of the Lions Hall of Fame, Lomas Brown Lomas, Big Low, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, we are glad that you're here. Been quite a week for you. Uh, uh, Monday was uh, obviously a pretty exciting day. And then Wednesday, today on the podcast, could it get any better for you this week, Lomas? Hey, man, this might be the pinnacle right now on the podcast. So you already said I'm going to get that effect. So I'm ready for the. I'm ready for you guys to just get me out there, yeah. especially knowing you guys are not just national, man, but doing things all over the world. That's awesome. Well, that's uh, it's exciting for us to have you on the program and exciting. I've been friends for a number of years. You're a, a great guy, but I want to talk about about Monday. Uh, first of all, the way you found out that you were going to be inducted <laughs> was pretty unique. Can you tell us about that moment? Yeah, um, I joke with everyone that, you know, Rob Wood, when he came up to the box, you know, he just had this mellow tone voice and he was like, you know, big fella, every time I come up here, because he normally comes up during the broadcast, you know, I feel like I'm taking your job. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm saying to myself, is this man about to fire me on the radio? <laughs> you know, I'm standing up there trying to think that I say something on the radio that got me fired. And, and then he was like, you know, I want you to just pay attention to the big screen and that's when they came across and they had the the tribute uh, video. And, you know, it was just awesome. I was just completely shocked. And with my family being in the background, just them being up there, too. It was just awesome. It really was. So they, they actually they did surprise you? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what was going on. Like I say, hey, when he came in with his mellow tone voice, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> something's going on and stuff. But like I said, I should have known uh, when they let me valet park. That, that that's, that's when always, I should have knew something was going on earlier that day. But usually you have to what? Park, yeah, uh, I got, park you know I got yeah I got you know I got the pass the Lions Tiger lot. That's yeah. where we park right. at and everything. But yeah, this day they were like, yeah, come on up and valet. I'm like, you know, it's okay. those small things you don't yeah, realize. I, should, I signs, should have no signs. What what went through your head on Monday? What was that like? I mean, obviously. Uh, uh, it was a nationally broadcast Monday night football game. The the town is on fire, and halftime is pretty much all about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, probably because I was working, you know, I didn't get the chance to just, like, really soak it in like maybe I would have. You know, so that kind of, you know, and it was great. I, I take nothing away because we I worked a victory, so it was nice to work it. But I think that kind of distracted me a little bit from what was going on, but I'm telling you it was so wonderful because we had almost a hundred alumni that came uh, back 
weekend. A lot of guys that I played with, a lot of guys that I hadn't played with, and just to get together. So I'll tell you real fast, you know, when you get uh, as an alumni, the older you get, the better you were. So, you know, <laughs> with me, I blocked two guys on one play and beat Barry to the end zone. So, you know, next year it'll be three guys right. that I blocked. So that's how it is. So when you get around all these guys, you just swapping stories, just talking, and it's just great to be around. So that's what made it even more special that these guys were in town. And if you don't know, uh, obviously uh, uh, Lomas played for the Lions from 1985 to 95, 10 years here, but you had an 18-year career. Uh, you uh, you played for all sorts of teams. And yeah. as you just mentioned, <laughs> uh, you blocked for Barry Sanders, and he was there on Monday. Yes. Uh, obviously considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest running back of all time. Any fun Barry Sanders stories on or off the field that, uh, you know, haven't worked with him for so long? Well, you know, I tell everyone that little fella had an appetite, you know, because, you know, when he came here, you know, single man. So yeah. He lived in Rochester yeah, Hills, yeah, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> that, a humble, humble little house in Rochester Hill. But I was here established, wife and kids. So, you know, I had a home-cooked meal every day. Some kind of way he would find his way over there almost every day. And when I say somebody that can eat to be his size oh my goodness I had to just kind of shoo him out my house a couple of <laughs> a couple of times so he he was great with the kids always playing around with the kids it was like he was a little kid with them but just a great guy and that's why I think for all of us and I can speak for all the offensive linemen that blocked for him man that's why you blocked so hard for Barry because he was just a humble guy a great guy and you wanted him to have success. Sounds like your uh, your wife deserves to be uh, yeah. inducted into the the, the pride of hey, Lions as well. As, look, uh, she get <laughs> she get a tighter hug, a, a better greeting from Barry than I get from him. You know, so yeah, man, she took care of him off the field. I guess I took care of him on the field. There you go. That's a good a good combination. So you, you I mean, you had an out, obviously an outstanding career, eighteen years in the NFL, which in and of itself talks about. Uh, your longevity and, and your success. But I'm curious, and you, you played for a lot of teams in a lot of places. Did you ever have a favorite place to play? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, you know, I say I spent the majority of my, you know, like you say, my, my first 11 years here with the Lions. Um, I had my greatest success here, personal success here mm -hmm. with the Lions. Went to my most Pro Bowls, um, majority of my teammates, former teammates that I know. Uh, been through a lot of ups and downs, but felt like we helped build this, this organization. I would say New York was the funnest because that's when I went to my first Super Bowl, got in my first Super Bowl, even though we didn't win it. But man, if you're a winning team in New York, OMG. <laughs> I mean, it was like everything was carte blanche. And I mean, it was awesome. I yeah. spent two awesome years there. Of course, that 911 happened while I was there too. So, um, and then I have to say, I throw in Tampa Bay because that's when I finally won the Super Bowl under coach uh, John Gruden. So, I don't know. It's probably a combination of those places, but I'm here in Detroit. So, sure. you know, Michigan sure. had to be my favorite. Absolutely. Now, the, the, uh, the same question, but a little bit of an opposite feel. Uh, you're an offensive lineman, you've played against some of the best. Uh, defensive players uh, that the game has seen ever. When you 
crouched down into your position, looked across the line, who was the least favorite person you wanted to see coming at you? Oh, Lawrence Teller. Easily, man. He was number one on the list. Look, it, you had a bad week of preparation getting ready for him. It wasn't just the game you had to worry about. You'd be worried all throughout the week. They showing videos of the guy on TV. <laughs> he talking about he coming after you like a mad dog. And I'm like, oh my, he snapped Joe Theismann's leg. I mean, this is the stuff you've seen this dude do. And now you got to get out there and you got to block this guy basically by yourself. So it was a long week of preparation sure. and I played I played against him three times in my career and oh my goodness man so he was did he also, get any sacks in those games he probably did <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm quite sure he probably did you know I'm not gonna be one of those oh no he didn't I'm quite sure he probably did because he was just that great of a player so how about a, a trash talker that you remember I can't imagine that you were much of a trash talker no you know what I'm saying I didn't go around poking the bear I think that's kind of crazy in the yeah. NFL to poke the bear because I'm bears are as big as you are sometimes so are you, why you want to poke that bear you know let that lion dog just lay there sure. and lie there but I would say probably Richard Dent and they called okay. him Dirty Dent not only did he talk noise to us he talked noise to the sideline and another <laughs> Hall of Fame uh, trash talker was John Randall okay. uh, with the Minnesota Vikings I just remember one game because what John would do John would get the media guide and he would study the media guide of the guy he going up against. And then that media guide, of course, they list your family and all that. <laughs> so we were playing in one game and he was going over Mike Compton and doing the middle. It was a timeout. We in the huddle and you just heard John. Hey, Mike, how's your he was like, how's my wife and said his wife's name <laughs> and how are my two kids and said his two kids. Name. Oh, Oh my goodness, Mike had a conniption in the huddle. We trying to hold him back. Mike, calm down. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Mike, come on, man. Come on, man. We got a game. But that's what John wanted to do, man. Yeah, and that's what working. he would do to other players. Yeah, and it worked, man, because Mike was livid. Yeah, it was working. Well, you uh, uh, you, you mentioned that, well, obviously, a pretty exciting career. Many of the, the, the great memories you had here were in uh, Detroit. Uh, the, the Lions obviously are the talk of the town right yeah. now. Um, obviously playing well. The last time they had a playoff win, you were on the <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 91, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, it was the uh, 91 season. Yeah. Uh, since then, we've been without a playoff win. Um, obviously, they won this week. They're 6-2 and two atop the NFC North. Looks like they've got a lock on this division. Uh, everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, why can the Lions win the Super Bowl this year? Well, you know, so I'm going to say... And I'm going to ask uh, you, so, why can't they win the Super Bowl? Well, for me... You know, and I'll let you know, my expectations for this team is for them to win the division and host a playoff game and win the playoff game. Now, that's my expectation. I'm quite sure Brad Holmes, uh, Dan Campbell, the whole organization, their expectations are going to the Super Bowl. So I'm just talking about sure. mine. Sure. So I think one of the keys, the biggest key is we got to stay healthy. And I know that's hard to say and that's hard to do in the NFL because you have to really kind of factor in the injury factor because it's going to happen to 
your team and you see what we've been going through. So that's one of the things you have to do. And the other big thing about the injury factor is those guys, yeah, they miss games, but they miss practice time too. And when you miss practice time, it's hard to get your chemistry down. It's hard to get that unspoken language down that you have out there on the football field. So it's just as important for these guys to practice as it is for them to play in the game. So that's one of the factors. But I I think really how we've been playing, it's no reason that we can't get to, like you say, in the Super Bowl. Like I say, my my expectations are to win uh, the division and host the playoff game because then you host that playoff game as a divisional winner. You're only talking about two more games, right. you know, to be in the big boy. Sure. And, and you look at, you're right about the injury bug. I mean, uh, you know, three weeks ago, Everyone's talking about the NFC uh, being owned by San Francisco. Uh, a couple key injuries. Yes. They've lost three in a row. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, even, even the Vikings starting to make a move up in the division. They lose Kirk Cousins. Yep. Next week they start with a rookie quarterback. I mean, they don't look as nearly as threatening as they did, you know, with, with Cousins and Jefferson without either of those guys. So, uh, yeah. yeah, the injury bug is, is critical. Now, you talk about the fans. Um it has been remarkable. I mean, obviously, it's partly because it's been so long since the Lions have been uh, been good. But you know, you and I were at the the game in yeah, Tampa. Tampa of course, yeah. you were there, but I was mm-hmm. at the, the Tampa Bay game. <laughs> uh, we saw each other, at least talked to each other there. I mean, the crowd was 35 yes. percent Honolulu Blue. Yes. The fans are traveling. Um, how much does that mean to the players? What what does that really mean when you're at an away game, specifically? And you see that kind of fan base support. Yeah, so I'll say this. The fans, are, I've been doing radio. This is my sixth year doing radio. The fans have been traveling that way the whole time. They just have had, haven't had anything to cheer about. So, yeah. you know, so the fans normally leave early or they're not there. So they've been representing this year, like you say, it's just over the board with because our fans are getting the opportunity to come down and celebrate with yeah. the players. And like you said, Tampa, we had the whole lower bowl of the whole stadium. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. It had to be 10, 20,000 Lion fans there. And like you say, Kansas City, they traveled that way. The Baltimore they traveled. We just didn't give them anything to uh, to cheer about. But to your point, it means a lot when you have that many fans, especially if you're a player, especially if you go through a rough, rough stretch in the game, to hear those guys cheering for you on the road, it does a lot for you. Yeah. Now, at, at a home game, obviously, as an offensive player, you know, the, 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 the more recent trend is to be as loud as you can on defense but pretty quiet for the offense. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Because we trying to get our calls out, man. They might have to audible to play. You know, as the big fella, I need to hear them, man. I'm a long ways from the quarterback, Brian. It's hard, man, hearing, trying to hear the quarterback over 60,000 fans trying to tell you, hey, we trying to change the play to something else, man. That's a bad feeling when you got a 290-pound guy over you trying to kill you. Yeah, you. it's a lot of things going through your head 
right there at that time. So that's why I say, man, with football, especially the offensive linemen, not trying to brag because I was one, but we the smart guys on that. Think about this, Brian. So you come up, right? They give you this long play in the huddle, right? right. Quarterback get up to the line of scrimmage. Uh-oh, they not in the defense that he thought he was going to be in. So we need to check this play. So he throw out this black because that was our color, black. So I hear black. Uh-oh, wait a minute. He That means he's going to change the play. So he going to throw another number at me, let me know what play he just changed that to. And now all this is within like 10 seconds. Now suppose my defensive end that started right here, suppose he moves from here to hear when he changes that play. So now I got to think, okay, my blocking assignment just, so all sure. this is going on. And like I say, this guy is trying to get through you and kill you at this particular time too. <laughs> so it's a lot that goes and on. You have seconds, literally seconds. Seconds yeah. to do this. Yeah. yeah. So it's unbelievable some of the things that go on out there, how you have to be in rhythm. That's why I say practice. That's the only place you're going to get that down at. Sure. Now you played in your career for some pretty uh, interesting coaches, right? Uh, you yeah. Super Bowl, John Gruden, you played for Wayne Fonts, you had all sorts of folks in between. Tell me a little bit about uh, Dan Campbell's style. Yeah, so the full disclosure, like <clears throat> that's my guy. Love Dan Campbell. We played together for two years. Okay. So when he was my tight end when I was with the New York Giants in 2000-2001. He was in his second year. I was in my 15th year at that point. But it was just something different about this dude. You couldn't just say, oh, he was going to be a great coach. But you just knew it was something different about him. You you know, early in his career. I mean, and then you fast forward to where he is now, you know, some of the coaches that he's been on the Bill Parcells, yeah. Sean Payton, you know, he's learned from some of the best, got the intern job for about five to seven games with the Miami Dolphins where he was the intern head coach and just has come here. And the thing I love about Dan is his message is consistent. And I'm telling you, man, anytime, and you know, Man, anytime you're trying to get a message out to people, you have to be consistent in that message that you're trying to get out there. And that's what he was. A good example was when early in last year, when we were one and six, he preached the same message when they were going through that one and six stretch Mm. that he preached when we were going through the eight and nine stretch, when we were winning eight out of nine games and coming right into the season. And as a player, I know when you see stability like that within your within your head coach, it's just going to come out to you. It's just going to, you know, it's just going to permeate to you. And it's sure. just going to make you more of a consistent person where you're not making rash decisions out there on the field. Throughout your career, uh, high school, college, NFL, is there a coach that stands out as well? Oh, yeah, yes, yes. His name was Frank Gantz. He was a colonel in the Army, in the, I'm sorry, in the Air Force. Man, the greatest coach, man, that I ever have. And I promise you, out of most of the guys that uh, he coached with in the 90s, Chris Spielman, Jerry Ball, Herman Moore, ask any of them guys when you see them who was their best coach they ever had. All of them going to say Frank Gantz, man. This guy was 
awesome. He was a special team coach, so he got to meet with everybody because the special team coaches, the only people that don't go to special team meetings are normally the quarterbacks. Other yeah. than that, everybody else is in the special teams meeting. So he was more like a mentor to us, really, than Wayne was because he spoke to us every day. Man, he used to talk about life stuff. It wasn't football stuff, but he would relate it to football. Yeah. He used to talk about how precise the guys are in the Air Force flying those flight flighter jets. His two favorite athletes were Michael Jordan and Muhammad Ali. So we used to hear stories about them all the time, man. He had little drills for us, man. I'm telling you, man, I got a book to this day, Brian. I have a binder, probably about the size of the one that you have, with all his quotes really? in there uh, for what he has. So and there's things that I use today, still use today in life that he said to us. So hands down, best coach ever. I love it. That was right at the top of your mind. And obviously, uh, Coach Gantz had a massive impact. Again, my name is uh, Brian Burnett, the mayor of the city of Rochester Hills. We are talking uh, with Lions radio analyst and former offensive tackle, seven-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champ, Lomas Brown. We talked about uh, your career with the Lions. You played for the Cardinals, the Browns, the Giants. And the Bucks, you got that mm -hmm. Super Bowl ring in your last year. Yeah. What was that like? It was great because I had lost it two years early. And that look, that was so quick story about that. I played with a guy named Glenn Parker. He was a guard next to me. Glenn Parker played for the Buffalo Bills when they lost their four, four straight yeah. uh, Super Bowls. Absolutely. Bruce Smith, all those guys. So he came to me like the night before the Super Bowl. He said, Lomas, he said, if we lose this game, it's going to be the worst feeling you ever felt. And I just brushed them off because, yeah, you lost four in a row. So, you know, I know you're scoring right now. Oh, my God, Brian, when that final whistle went off and we lost that game. Oh, he he, he hit it on the head. It was the most hurtful feeling to, to lose the Super Bowl. He was right. He was right about that. Remind so, us of that game. What game was that? I mean, that, that was, that was, that was Super Bowl, the Super Bowl 35. Okay. So we played the Baltimore Ravens. That's when Ray, Ray Lewis. Lewis won his first Super Bowl. Okay. And they beat us. Uh, I was with the New York Giants. They beat us like 34 to 7. It wasn't even a close game. So on top of it, we got blew out in the Super Bowl and everything. So it was just ugly. So for me to get that opportunity two years later with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl under Coach Gruden, I mean, because he was right, man. So I don't even know. So uh, I don't know if a lot of people know, but you get a ring for losing the Super Bowl. So it's called the NLC or AFC championship ring. So I don't even know where that ring is. <laughs> I can tell you where my Super Bowl <laughs> ring is, but I don't know where that ring is because every time you look at it, I mean, you eBay. lost the game. It's on yeah, eBay. It could be. Yeah, you might look on the LB. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, you've, you've made a, uh, a wonderful transition, and, and some folks in your industry have done it better than others. I think you're uh, one of those. Uh, you're a color analyst with Lions Radio, I think in your sixth season now, yes. something like that. Um, how was it transitioning from playing into into what you do now into radio? So I'll, I'll say that I, I had the fortunes of working for ESPN for eight years. Um, so I did that from um, 
2004 to 2012. I was with them. So that helped me, you know, kind of get my feet under me uh, being with them. But the biggest transition into the radio was whose place I was taking. And that was the great Jim Branstetter who had that job for 31 years, man, 31 years. And and the story behind that is what WJR, because they had the game at first, they had it before they've gone to 97-1. They told me, they said, well, Lomas, we're going to put you in the booth with Dan Dan Miller and Jim Branstetter. It'll be a three-man booth. You know, let you get some some experience because I had never did this before. I'm like, oh, right. That's cool. That's great. You know, Jim will be here, they said, another two years, and then he plans on retiring. I'm like, okay, that'll be perfect right there. Man, about two days before the first game, WJR calls me and said, well, we had a change of plan. We're going with you. And and I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, wait a minute. And that's when they let Jim Branstetter go. And, you know, I was the guy put in this place. And like I say, it was intimidating because this man did this for 31 31 years. He called it when I was there. When I was playing for the Lions, he was calling the games, interviewing me. So, you know, to step into those shoes, man, it was nervous. I was nervous. I was anxious you know I was you know everything that comes with doing that but it's the best thing that I've ever done. So if you had Coach Gantz uh, as as a mentor on the field Who's your mentor in radio? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because, you know, I, I know who's great is Dan Miller. Oh, my God, man. He has just made this so e- – I, I wouldn't say easy. I, I never like to use the word easy with anything, but he's made this transition, man. He's made it wonderful for me, man. He's the voice of the Lions. I think this is year 17 or 18 for Dan. So, you know, he's gone through – he's been through the 0 and 8. He's been <laughs> To the rock bottom with the Lions, man. But he is so great on there. And I think our chemistry works great. Even with TJ now on the sideline, I think we have a great team, how we work together. And that's what it's all about. And look, as a lineman, man, that's all we did anyway. You know, us big fellas, we get we do all the dirty work. We let all the <laughs> other guys the get all the credit. So yeah, we so I'm still doing the same, same thing. Same lane, same <laughs> lane, same lane. Well, you guys have a great, a great chemistry, and it's it's fun to to, to listen to to the games you know as we start to wrap here Lomas you know the NFL is a monster I mean it is so popular I mean I I personally love Sundays um, yeah you know just coming home from church and relaxing and watching football all day the red zone has, has has made it a lot of fun I mean you just watch everywhere you go people are excited about football in your experience both as a player and as an analyst what, what are some of the misconceptions that people you know, think I mean, they think the NFL is is, is this fantastic organization, uh, and maybe it is. But you know, as a player, there's a business side of it too that can be. I mean, that trade deadline was yesterday. There's some people playing for yeah. teams. We picked up uh, People's Jones. There's you know, I mean, what are some misconceptions that you wish people understood about as a player in the NFL that they don't always catch just tuning in on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question because you know you're right. It's it's a, it's a lot. It's a billion dollar business. Uh, tr- 
multi-billion dollar business. So you're right, it's a lot of things that go on that a lot of people don't know about. And, you know, I'm glad, the one thing that I'm glad that the NFL has worked on and uh, they're continuing to work on is the exit program for players. You know, it's a it's great with the rookies. They got the rookie symposium. They got everything set up, advisors, everything set up for the guys that are coming into the game. But, you know, up until recently, it wasn't a lot of things set up for guys that exit the game. And if you think about it, it's more retired players than it is active players right now. It's probably about 20-some thousand retired players, you know, and this is maybe 1,500 to 1,600 active players throughout the year. So, you know, and the other thing is that we're the voice out here now. You know, people see me, they see Barry, they see they see us out more in the community than they see the active players because they're working. They right. they you know, so the voices that the people hear a lot more are the alumni. So you have to take care of the guys that you know, that have built this game, that are coming out, that really a lot of guys need, they need the help. They really do, Brian. I mean, football is one game where you beat your body up. I mean, I play 18 years on the offensive line. It's a lot of things. I wake up every morning, you know, with a different ailment. And, <clears throat> you know, I know what to expect when I get up. And after a while, you know what you do? You just live with it. So you just live in pain. And that's how a lot of us guys are now you just deal with it because you've been taught to deal with it that's what that was part of being an athlete was dealing with pain so you think now that you retired you just have to deal with it and stuff so it's a lot of guys go through that it's a lot of mental things that you go through now which is you you can see now with how the world lives you know with mental health well that's that's with us ball players too you have a lot of guys that can adjust after the game a lot of guys are used to the hand claps and the applauses. And when they're gone, it's like, now what? You know, a lot of guys, football was all you had. Right. Just think about a guy that comes in the league at 21 years old. The average life of an NFL player is 3.4 years. That's the average life. Brian, it takes you three years and three games to get vested. So guess what? If you don't get to three years in the NFL – and you get injured before then, you have no health insurance. You get no severance. Uh, you get none of the benefits that you would if you would have got to that third year. Um, the other thing, the retirement for an NFL player, before you get your retirement, is age 55, okay? So it's been noted, and it's, it's a fact that former NFL offensive and defensive linemen, their life expectancy is age 55. So, you know, again, it's just all these things that a lot of people don't know about that you know, baggage that former players have to carry and everything. And it's not their fault if you find some guys in financial distress. You know, different things like that. People say, oh, yeah, he made a lot of money. A lot of that stuff is medical. You've seen guys wiped out by medical bills and everything. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to put that out there because that's kind of the thing that's kind of back in the back that's sure. being held. And 
you know, I mean, I guess it's rightly so. Everything moves on. Life keeps moving on. You know what I'm saying? So I know, you know, we're not a high priority. The alumni aren't, you know, but again, you know, think back and try to take care of the guys that really paved the way and made the game to where it is, to where after Sundays, what you say, you kick back and you love to enjoy watching it. Just so just kind of think about those guys that really paved the way that make that possible. Sure. Well, you, you uh, obviously an incredible athlete, fierce competitor on the field, but you are probably more known for just being a humble and kind uh, human, uh, just just a great guy to be around. And you've kept your love of football going by being involved locally. Yeah. Right. Still involved in some oh, yeah. coaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Over at Bloomfield. But, you know, I do my camps, my summer camps. So I do football camps in um, underserved areas. So we'll go to Detroit, Flint, Jackson, you know, Pontiac. We, we go all over and just try to serve the kids. But the good thing is everything is free, Brian. Yeah. That's what we have to do because, again, you know, you don't want to put any financial burden sure. on the kids or sure. their family. So my foundation the Lomas Brown Jr. Foundation takes on that responsibility of, you know, the financial responsibility and making sure we could do not only the sports camp, but my LEAP camps, which is which are my educational camps, with the, which are the camps I'm most proud of because I have more contact hours with the kids so you could be more impactful with them. So we're just going to continue to do what we can for the youth, and that's what my foundation services, the youth of Southeast of Michigan, but you know, by servicing the youth, you are servicing the family yeah, too. Yeah, so they come with the youth. So yeah, that's what we're trying to do and trying to build upon it. You know, uh, Lomas, we, we are really fortunate as a region to have you. Uh, certainly we've enjoyed your on the field success, but I, I'm, I'm more attracted to what you do out the field just because you're a, you're, you're a, a great guy that always says yes. You're involved in the community. You've continued that with the camps you just mentioned. And, uh, uh, on behalf of a really a grateful community, thanks for thanks for staying involved and engaged. And you know, the last uh, question we have every time on every podcast for every guest is always the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no prep, so you, uh, okay. you just have to take Uh-oh. it and, and do something See, with he's it. Smiling, so I know it's something <laughs> coming. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not okay. bad. But uh, if you could uh, have dinner uh, with one person, alive or past, it's mm-hmm. a two part question: Who would it be? And where would you go? Okay, so definitely be Magic Johnson. All right. That's my guy, man. Love that guy, man. I've loved him for, man, long. just how, how he did things and how he's built himself to where he is now, man. That's kind of what I inspired, uh, inspired to uh, do. Sure. So it would be Magic. And, um, you know, I'll probably just, with the restaurant I would probably go to, gosh, you know the restaurant I want. Wanted to uh, have you been? You never went to the house of brunch with me. I took Chris there. Okay, no. we never went. Oh my God, That's that was a great. But it's not open anymore, so I can't go with the house of brunch. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, you put me on the I mean, spot you got magic with Johnson. this one. It's gotta be a bit. It's gotta be. I know, it's gotta be the right I know, Lomas. man. And I'm a pork lover. See, I like the swine. The big fella <laughs> loves the swine. So I'm gonna probably say I would probably go to. Uh, 
a Joe Mir restaurant. Okay. Because right. I like Joe Mir. I sure. like their restaurant. Sure. So I, I'll probably take them to Joe Mir. But I might just bring them to the house and fix them a pork chop. There you go. You know, over the grill. He might enjoy that too, oh, Mr. man. Mr. Brown might have more work there to do. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, Lomas, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. This is uh, exciting to have you on for all the, the reasons, certainly in, 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 a, in, a, in a sort of a pinnacle week for you being recognized for uh, your contributions to the Detroit Lions. But more than that, your contributions to the greater Metro Detroit area. Thank you for being a great friend. Thank you for being uh, on our program today. And uh, it's going to be exciting to watch you and the rest of the Lions uh, this year, because finally, there is so much to be hopeful for and so much to be excited about. Thank you for being on the show, Lomas. Appreciate you. I appreciate it, Brian. And to those of you in our audience, thank you for joining us as we listen and learn from the people like Lomas Brown, living and working with you and me right down the street. So until next time, so long, God bless, and go Lions.